Welcome to the Asking Why podcast. I'm your host, Clint Davis. I'm a marriage and family therapist and licensed professional counselor trained in trauma and addiction. The Asking Why podcast is for anyone on a journey of healing and restoration. If you are searching for answers to life's questions and want to learn more about root causes from a psychological and theological mix, this show is for you. In this podcast, myself and a co-host from Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness will interview guests on a wide range of topics in order to get down to the heart of the problems facing our world and understand why things happen and how to change the world and ourselves for the better. Want to learn more tips and tricks to living a healthy lifestyle? Visit us at Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to meet our staff or book a speaker, go to clintdaviscounseling.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe today. All right, welcome to it episode 54 of asking why podcast with clint davis um my friend chandler hall is here with us today and we're going to talk a little bit about sports and life um chandler was a d1 athlete and professional baseball player and so he's on today and we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff um so chandler tell us a little bit about you and who you are and why you're here well thanks for having me yeah it's good to see it's been a few weeks so that's uh, right yeah man um i mean played baseball my whole life that was really kind of what I did as a kid I mean from like everybody says you know I started out like two or whatever mm-hmm. but I literally have uh, paint marks of my feet in the basement of my parents house so it's oh, like wow. when it was concrete before my dad like redid it and everything mm-hmm. and they put the date and all that so I really have been doing it since I was two you know um was your dad a big baseball person or uh man not not a an athlete so to speak but yeah. he loved the game like that was his that's how we bonded okay was watching baseball when i was little you know where are you from originally uh springfield missouri okay yeah so that's so, where you grew up that's where i born and raised until high school um so what's the team what was his team st louis cardinals okay yeah so i mean we watched the cardinals from since i was little we went to the 2011 world series oh, wow. when they won it so we were uh we were cardinals fans and what's your dad's name? Bob. Shout out to Bob. Shout out to Bob, man. <laughs> he came and saw me this weekend for my birthday, so I uh, I told him we were doing this, so hopefully he'll he'll give it a listen. Yeah, awesome. It'll be good. So, um, but yeah, man, born and raised in Springfield. Uh, to my mom and dad, they're still married. Been married in 32 years, so um, they have an it's anniversary rare. coming up. It is rare in today's world for sure. Um, I have a sister, an older sister. She's got a husband and a beautiful little girl, Harlow. Is my niece so? And how much older is your sister? Mm. Oh, good, three, four years. Okay. So she was ninety-one. I was ninety-five. So you're the baby. I'm the baby, man. The favorite. That's the right. favorite. <laughs> the golden child. <laughs> the favorite. So, um, yeah, she's three, three years older than me. So, um, her husband Zach, they live over in Fort Worth. My okay. parents live in Flower Mound, just north of Dallas. So, right. um. They kind of moved away from Missouri a few years ago just to be closer to me and Caitlin and, and our baby. So gotcha. it's nice to have them a lot closer than seven hours away. Yes, definitely. You know, it's good to have family close by. Um, but yeah, man, I grew up in Springfield. I played baseball my whole life. That was, like I said, what I did. Um, I always joke and say I was an athlete before a student when it mm-hmm. came to, to college, you know. So uh, I always had a dream of playing professional baseball. Um, I can I can remember from the beginning of high school I would travel year round just playing baseball like my parents would just cart, cart me around and you did travel ball and all that stuff I did obviously. and we had an academy up there and um, 
I still have, I mean, some of my closest friends today. We just grew up playing baseball. My best friend, um, I mean, I can remember since we were four, age four. That's how we met. And that's what we bonded over. But now that we're both out of it, you know, we're still best friends. So baseball really brought me a lot of my friends, close friends. Um, and so throughout high school, I focused a lot on trying to get a college scholarship, trying to, you know, get drafted out of high school. Um, I really didn't have a social life outside of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I had my friends within baseball, but not outside of that. And school really wasn't a focus, you know. Um, so, yeah, we just traveled year-round, traveled to Florida, California, Arizona, New York, I mean, all over the country, played in Aruba. That was a cool experience. Oh, wow. So, um, and, and we can talk about about that a little later, but it was, it was kind of like a mission trip for the in Aruba, but it was through baseball. You I know? got you. Yeah, so, so your parents, were they both Christians growing up? Mm, yes, they were believers, Yeah, if I can say it yeah. like that. Um, they were believers. They took us to church. Um as often as we could because of my sister played volleyball and I played baseball. So it was, you know, it was divide and conquer at that point in time because we were both traveling, playing tournaments, um, almost every weekend. But, you know, we go on Christmas Eve and Easter and uh, so nominal. Yeah. I mean, just like we were, when we were in town, basically, you know, it really wasn't the forefront, although they did, they did do a very good job of letting us know that like we're, made and loved through God. Like God is the only reason we're here. But you know, we we didn't I didn't grow up in youth camp or youth group, you know. Um but yeah, they, they did a good job of letting us know that you're not here by yourself, mm-hmm. you know. We didn't just evolve, you know. So um so yeah, they're believers. My great-grandfather, he um was a Southern Baptist preacher. So my whole family is is a family of believers, you know. Uh, my grandmother, she actually, when Caitlin and I got married, I know I'm kind of jumping around here, but when Caitlin and I got married, we actually got married out of his Bible, my great grandfather. Oh, that's so cool. It was through the, it was passed down through the family, so it was, it was really cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, man, I mean, we were uh, seasonal churchgoers, I yeah. guess you could say. Um, well, yeah, because sports took a lot of time, and I think you know I see that a lot in families. Um, now is, you know, doing travel ball, doing mm-hmm. travel sports, trying yeah. to find that balance. And I'd say things are worse now than they were when we were kids. Oh yeah. You know, absolutely. So I think, um, I think that the focus has shifted from where it used to be about, Hey, we're, we'll play travel ball, but not on Sundays. You right. know, we'll do the, the Saturday games. And then on Sunday we go to church and then if we have games in the afternoon, we'll be there. Right. Mm-hmm. Is um, that what y'all did? That's not what we did, but that's what friends of mine did. Gotcha. You know, that were more, you know, involved in church and, and probably better spiritually than we, <laughs> than we were. Um, well, you grow, right? I mean, that's that's what we're talking about, right? That's part of the podcast is having you on and talking about that dynamic mm-hmm. for people. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I when I got out of pro ball, I coached for a little bit. I thought I wanted to coach, right? Um, quickly found out I don't want to coach. <laughs> so... Um, no, I coached for a youth team, and there's a young young man on there with his his mom and grandmother, and um, they're like, "Hey, you know, he can play on Saturdays, but Sundays, we're out." Mm-hmm. You know, and I admired it, like I, I truly did, you know, um, because at that point in time, I was I was a new Christian, I say a newfound Christian because I got baptized um, right before I left for pro ball, so um, I admired it. I was like, "Man, that's." That's good values, mm-hmm. you know, raising your your son up right. So, yeah, I uh, 
I think, like you were saying, the dynamic has changed completely from now it's, oh, we're, the, the boys are playing travel ball or my son's playing travel ball. It doesn't matter. You know, mm-hmm. like, we're going to tournaments. We're playing every weekend. And the flip side of that is, A, I mean, I think, this is just my opinion, I think you can still be a Christian without going to church every Sunday, right? But I think there's a lot of foundation in church mm-hmm. and being there and having the consistency of that. Um, but the focus is now on making the next LeBron James and, you know, Mike Trout or Derek Jeter rather than the next, you know, John the Baptist or... Yeah. It's good. Yeah. I think you have to, I think that's what, you know, kind of part of the podcast I want to talk to you through is how do you, how do you be a healthy Christian and, and raise a family and have kids and still do sports, but find a balance. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's the problem is maybe you used to be able to find a balance and it seems like now it's really, really hard to, to strike that balance. Life is definitely a lot busier yeah. than it was when I was a kid. I mean, well, there was more community too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I, and that's kind of what Caitlin and I are going through with our son Brooks. I mean, he's he's eighteen months, right? right. So you know, we're uh, we're in church every Sunday and whatnot. He he's not going to be a major league baseball player tomorrow, so <laughs> we know that. Um, but yeah, so we're in church every Sunday, so it's a little easier for us. We got a little girl on the way, and I I think those are the waters we're navigating right now. It's like who do we want to be when they are of age and they're mm-hmm. playing sports and doing dance or gymnastics or cheer or whatever you know yeah so that's our big focus is like pre-planning for that oh yeah all right so you go through high school you're doing travel ball you're Mm -hmm. you're playing your dad loves the cardinals that's kind of y'all's bonding connection which obviously for most of us puts an emphasis on wanting to do it wanting to be good at it right yeah um and so what was what was it like during high school to kind of junior senior year stress out about college yeah man um i never had anxiety until i had grown men tell me that i could make a bunch of money playing a a kid's game Mm -hmm. you know what i mean you're like oh crap that i i can't fail like i just can't fail you know and so i was fortunate enough to where i had parents that put me in situations that like doing the academy baseball allowed me the opportunity to get in front of these people right and to to go to lessons, to go to, um, you know, private showcases, all that kind of stuff. So I'm very thankful for that. But towards the end of my sophomore year, I started getting, well, through my sophomore year, I started getting um, invitations from universities to attend showcases and maybe even freshman year, may have been freshman year. Um, but they can't talk to you until your junior year. It's like July 1st of, you know, you going to be a junior. So once that hit... And I had done all these showcases and all that. I had an idea of like what it was going to be like because I had older people in the academy that you know they would come and talk to us, and our coaches would you know tell us like, "Hey, this is how it's going to be." Um, but they can tell you how it's going to be, mm-hmm. and then how it actually is is they're two different things because they give you, you know, like when you're trying to get hired for a job and it's all like. And roses and rainbows uh-huh. and all that. Um, and then you get in the job and you're like, oh, crap. You know, it's... Yeah. it's tell you the good Here's parts. the real side yeah. of it. Um, that's kind of how it was. You know, they tell you, hey, you know, we'd love to have you. We'd love to have you. We'd love to have you. Like, come up on a visit. Come up on a visit. And when you get up on the visit, they show you all the great things about, 
you know, you're talking about like your junior year. Yeah. When you start taking your visits, cause you know, they start, they start talking to you at these showcases, you know, on a very minimal level, like, cause they have certain guidelines that they can't step across and, um, they're like, Hey, you know, when you get to your junior year and that time comes, if you're still interested, like, let's, let's talk about, it, let's visit. So you have your stuff called unofficial visits and official visits, right? Unofficial visits is you go up there on your own dime, your own time. Like you can watch them practice. They don't take you out to dinner. You just, Hey, how you doing? You know, shake their hand, that kind of stuff. So on your official visit, they pay for you to get up there. They car you around. You go to the football games. You go to, you know, dinner with a few guys from the team. At the bigger universities, it's like, this is what I want. Right. You know, you know, you see all the pretty girls walk by, and you're like, Dad, 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 this is what I, this is where I want to go. Right. You know, <laughs> um, you see the big stadiums and and the cool buildings on campus and all that. Um, and so yeah, it was the official visits were very cool, like very cool. Um, and then the time comes for them to offer you, you know, because then it comes about a, offering a scholarship and and it, it's like you just get dropped in a, a hat full of names and numbers, right? And you're one of, of a million. And so you go from going on the official visits and and at some point in time, some of those guys actually had offers already, you know, and they were just doing their official visit as kind of like a, like a, hey, we're checking the box, right? But for guys like myself that, you know, the, the campus and the baseball team showed interest in, but I wasn't offered a scholarship yet, I was... I don't know, I was hurt, I guess you could say, when you just get thrown back into the, the basket with all the other names and and nobody is uh, reaching back out to you mm. after that. You know what I mean? So so you go on the visit, and it's like the official visit, and, and they kind of, oh, we we love you, we like you, we want you to be here, yeah, we'll show you around, take you to dinner, you know, kind of dote on you. Yeah. And then you leave there, and that's not really the case. You're just, they do that for everybody is what you're saying. Yeah, for... For their top guys, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to be like, hey, we're good. Here's your offer. Come on an official visit. We'll do all the same things we do with all the other guys that we haven't offered yet, but we have interest in, right? Right. For a 17-year-old kid or 16-year-old kid, if somebody offers you the world and you think, hey, they have my best interest in mind. They they have my back. They're not going to let me down. Yeah, they really like me. They know me. Exactly, mm-hmm. man. So, you know, you're naive in that sense, right? And my parents always guided me and said, hey, you know, trust that they want what's best for you but don't believe it until you see it like you know have have that skepticism about you a little bit and i was like oh whatever you know parents right yeah, yeah. it's like whatever so and then uh going into senior years when you can you know get your offer get your you start doing your um your signing day stuff right and when i when those days came i was i was just nothing happened you know so i was like that's when i was truly let down i was like dude what I'm the type of person, still to this day, still to this day, if you tell me you're going to do something, I bank on your word, Yeah. right? I have a little more skepticism now, but uh, um, I bank on your word that you're going to do it, right? Because I, I do that. If I give you my word, I'm going to be there. I'm going to do it. Um, and so I trust that other people will do that as well. So as a 17, 18, 16-year-old kid, that was, that was still my personality. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. And, um, and so throughout my senior year, I had some offers. I had some junior college offers, some division one offers, um, to smaller schools and I had a lot of pride. Okay. And I was like, no, I'm not going to junior college. I'm not going to these smaller schools. My dream school is Arkansas. Okay. I'm still an Arkansas fan. I mean, 
one of my best friends went there and uh and they never arkansas never came you know so uh i was i was again let down so throughout my senior year i i started getting um the, the offers and whatnot and then the pro stuff comes about your senior year right so you can get drafted out of high school for those who don't know you can get drafted out of high school you can get drafted out of one year of junior college two years of junior college or after your third year of a four-year school um and so so once you start school you can't you got to do three years is that kind of the process at a four-year school gotcha yeah whether it's division one two three naia right um but at a junior college you know it's, it's a two-year program and you can get drafted after your first year or your second year um so like I, I played with guys um, with the Phillies that I think they had gotten drafted like three times, like once out of high school, once out of JUCO, and once out of the, their Division One that they went to, and and then they finally signed after their Division One that they went to. Um, so there's a lot of possibilities and a lot of ways that you can go professionally, um, and then you can sign as a free agent as well. So um, I started doing these professional showcases and started having. These what were you, what was your position? Shortstop. Okay. Yeah, shortstop. Um, played a little bit of like I pitched a little bit and I played a little bit of outfield, but it was mainly shortstop and second base. Um, and so throughout my senior year, you know, you're getting the college. You're not only worried about the college offers, you're worried about like the pro guy, the pro scouts talking to you. And the pro scouts are the same way. You know, they have a, a tough job. They do. Um but they also offer you the world and give you a ham sandwich. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So so if a, a teenager's listening to this or a young college student, yeah. what would be your advice about that? Kind of the same yeah. as your parents? Uh, yeah, just trust that there's good people out there. Like, don't think the world's out to get you, but really weigh your options. Like, like really take what they say and the promise that they say I mean ask questions that's what I didn't do is I just oh yeah yeah that sounds great and I would go and run and tell my parents you know and they'd be like okay well did you ask this this and this I was like well no you know right. no I didn't um, do you think that's because you're 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 in a situation where you're you feel desperate you don't feel confident in yourself you're just anything that they give you at this point will be good enough yeah you want to hold on to it yeah. and you cling to it you know what I mean so I think, you know, confident in yourself, like you said, or a lack of confidence in yourself is something that teenage kids struggle with. Yeah. You know, females, boys, who or whoever. So, um, and I was the same way, man. Um, I went to school with, like, I'm probably going to lie when I say this number, but I think I graduated with, like, 800 kids. You know, it was a massive school. We were a 5A school in, in Missouri. Um, and at that time, 5A was, like, the highest level you could, you could have of student enrollment. Um... So I think, you know, going there and, and being the guy on the baseball team, you know, you're, you have a false sense of confidence. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, you understand what I'm saying? It's a, people see what you're doing athletically or, or socially or, or whatever. Um, and so you think you're confident, but then when it really comes to it and you get tested, like in, in these certain scenarios I'm talking about, you're not well yeah because you're talking about the difference between emotional intelligence and confidence Mm. and like confidence in the behavior that you're doing right that could be baseball that could be sports that could be uh education 
right? It could be anything. Yeah. You could be really good at this behavior or at this role and, and look great. You could be great yeah. at theater, right? You could be the best actor. You could drop lines. You could do all this. Yeah. You could be a great writer. You could be a great musician, but success doesn't mean just being good at that skill. Yeah. And I think that's what one from a biblical perspective, like that's what, that's what ha instilling in your kids and in teenagers, like both mm -hmm. is so important. It's not, not that I'm anti-sports, but it's, I think what we create is these, these kids, these people who are really good at a skill, but when it comes down to like dealing with the pressures of what it takes to do that skill and that job and that mm -hmm. career, we've never prepared them at all for that. I would agree, man. I would, because you know, I think a main reason I wanted to do this with you is to talk about how, like, once you get out of a sport, you have so many guys like myself that are like, well, what do we do now? Mm -hmm. You know, like, do I go coach? Like I, like yeah, I was yeah. talking about, you know, I, I thought I wanted to coach, but I, I realized quickly I didn't because at that point in time, too, and I'm, I'm skipping forward a little bit, but at that point in time when I stopped playing baseball, I was so mad at baseball. And I left on my own accord too. Like I didn't, I didn't get released or anything like that. Like I just, I left because I wasn't passionate about it anymore. I, I didn't love it. It wasn't the childhood dream that I thought it was. You know what I mean? Um, and again, that's me being naive and thinking that it would be, and then realizing that it's a business. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, yeah, we'll get back there. So yeah, I'll keep you on track. Yeah, uh, for sure. That's good. I want to get there. We got plenty of time. Um, so you're doing the scouting you realize like uh, smartly oh man they're promising me the world and giving me a ham sandwich like you said yeah. um so then what happened so i actually um i was fortunate enough to do um a bunch of showcases they're called perfect game showcases um and you can go and play in tournaments like they're very big today very big it's i think it's the number one um prospecting deal for high school guys um in the nation, it's a massive corporation now. When I started out, or when I was playing, they were kind of starting out, right? Um, and so I was fortunate enough to be ranked the number one middle infielder in the state of Missouri, which, you know, to be honest, I didn't know that until about, I think like five years ago when I was coaching this this uh, youth team. Like, hey, did you know? I was like, I had no idea, man. That's awesome. Um, so I was fortunate enough to be ranked, I played, um, Every Wednesday afternoon, my mom would pick me up from school at 12, and we would drive to Kansas City. So from Springfield to Kansas City, it's like three hours. Um, it's like driving to Lafayette from Ruston, right? Um, so we'd drive three hours, and I would play. I, would, I was on the Kansas City Royal Scout team, and you have to get invited by a scout, and they have like their national cross-checker. National, the national cross-checker for a baseball team is the top scout. Like they're the ones that sign off on you getting drafted. And this is your senior year? Senior high school. Um, it was in the fall. Uh, it was a blast. It right. was an absolute blast. I loved it. I was like, this, this, I want to play professional baseball because of this. Mm -hmm. And so that went really well. Like, really, really well. Like, I, they, in amateur sports, they talk about draft stock, you know. And that shot mine through the roof because of how I played very well in, in it. And so um, I continued to play on my academy team, my spring baseball team with the school, um, but I, I didn't sign with anybody. I was like, Mom, Dad, I know I'm going pro. Like, I just know it. Um, because in my academy, every January, we had a massive training facility, like massive training facility. Um, we would hold a professional showcase. 
So what it was is, you know, you hit BP, you take some ground balls on the field, like all that. You ran 60s, that kind of thing. Um, and you have a bunch of professional scouts, a bunch of college coaches, recruiters. And I got a ton of interest there, too, because I was a switch hitting middle infielder. So, like, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, we'll take that and we'll run with it. Um, I had some speed. I had a good arm. I, I was better defensively than offensively at the time. Um, and so at that point in time, I was talking, I think, five or six or seven teams. And so professional teams, professional teams, one of them being the Cardinals. So my dad was very happy. <laughs> he was very happy. Um, how much pressure do you feel like was put on you by your parents? None. None. Honest to Which goodness. I was, yeah. I would say that's the unique part right knowing you now. Yes. It's honest to goodness. It was all, Hey, if this is what you want to do, we'll fully support it. And the day that you stop, we'll fully support it. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Cause I think that's what I see, right? Not happening. Yeah. I mean, I think the reason you are the adult that you are now will get there, but like mm-hmm. the husband, the father, you know, one Christ and mm-hmm. two, you know, having parents that even though they didn't have you in church every day, like, and that's what I think you're pointing to when you say you don't have to go to church to be a healthy Christian. Right. True. I mean, you need to, because you want the community, but people will say that, but they're not doing any of the morals or the standards yeah. or the expectations. And they're not teaching their kids, Hey, your worth and value is not in baseball. Yep. Your worth and values in Christ. It's in our family. It's in our connection. Yeah. And it sounds like your parents did that really well. Where I think so many parents, they go, "We're Christians," but then that's about as far as it goes. Yeah. And then baseball is God. Yeah. Or oh, 100%. you know, football is God. It, you know, and we don't we don't help our kids see that like this is actually an idol. And parents yell, you know, baseball too. Baseball for me. Baseball is the worst when it comes to parents in the stands and it coaching. Is. And uh, it's <laughs> it horrible. Is. Um, and, and so to go off of that, the only pressure I felt from my parents was they knew what my best was and they knew what my best wasn't. Uh Right. And so they knew when I wasn't giving my best or I wasn't focused or whatever. And so it's funny, my wife, Caitlin, she freshman year we met and she, she was at every baseball game after that. Right. And so she was always like, your dad's so intense. Your dad's so intense. He always yells. And he was yelling, not if I'd make an error it, he always yelled when I made an error, but it was because he knew I wasn't focused. And, like, I knew that. That's that's the connection him and I had, right? Nobody, that nobody else would understand. Um, right, so you didn't feel shame or beat up on. You just felt like he was encouraging you in the way yeah. that he knew you needed. I, I truly feel that way. And I think that those were his intentions, knowing my dad. Um, he may have could have done it in a more delicate way. <laughs> um, but uh, there's a, a funny story. We were at my junior year of college. We were playing Mississippi State in the – I was at Mississippi State. We were playing Cal State Fullerton in the regional, and I made an error. And dude, we're in front of like twelve thousand fans at Mississippi State. If you've ever been there, it's a massive stadium, and all you hear is my dad. There's literally a video on ESPN because we were playing on ESPN. I think it's ESPN two or whatever. <laughs> There's literally a video of my dad or of me. I missed the ball, and all you hear is Bob Hall in the stands, and he's in like the top deck of this stadium. And I, I watch it today, and I just laugh. But at the time, I was like, "What did he yell? Dad, shut up!" It's like, "Come on, jailer!" You know, like that—that that was his main line. Was, Come on, jailer! Because he knew I was better. So, and when I mean he knew I was better, he knew I could be better mentally. Like I could be more focused. I could—I knew what to do. That was his biggest saying. He said, "You know what to do. Just go out and do it." That's what he always told me. And um, to know me, I never felt pressure. I, the the only. I guess the only pressure I would feel was, again, not 
they wanted me to be the best person I could be, the best version of Chandler I could be on that day, right? And then there were days where I wasn't. So I felt like I let them down. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like how things are today when parents are living vicariously through their kids. Yeah, that's what I was more pointing at. That's good. Yeah, and that happened back in, in when I was playing too because I had buddies that, dude, after high school, they're like, I'm done. Like, right. And they had college scholarships, you know, and they're like, dude, I'm done. Right. And that, I mean, and, you know, we've gotten to know each other this last year a good bit through jujitsu, but mm-hmm. like, that was what I didn't, you know, that's why I love doing the podcast. Cause I don't know your, you know, I don't know the full story that I'm mm-hmm. getting today. I know, you know, bits and pieces. So that was kind of where I'm like, man, I don't know where this is going to go. You yeah. know, like I'm, I'm, I'm happy, happy for you, you know, right. that, that that's the story. And I think that's pretty cool. Um, because you know, the story that I hear so many times in my office is, is quite the opposite. Yeah. And I think trying to find the balance, like, you know, being honest and going, okay, all parents could do, we're going to look back at our childhood. I mean, when, when we're older and go, man, I could have done this differently yeah. with our kids, but it sounds like your, your parents really knocked it out the park. Uh, he's a baseball cliche. Um, I have, I have two wonderful parents. Yeah. I do. I have two very successful parents. Cause it's hard to thread the needle and do sports and professional sports at that level and do it well. I think it's so easy to fall into projecting on your kids, pushing yeah. them too hard shaming them yeah living vicariously through them i mean that's what i see for the like large majority of sports oh for sure man and, and so to brag on my parents a little bit so both of my parents came from nothing like absolutely nothing um and they've become very successful from you know vocationally by financially you know family wise like relationally um and so i think that they know what hard work is and they instilled that in me and so they were like, hey, it's all up to him now. Just like it was up to us to, to mm-hmm. make our lives happen. Like, it, it's up to him. So I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, it's very. awesome. So because, and I think a lot, and a lot of where the pressure may stem from, if we're talking about, you know, parents living vicariously through their kids, is from parents who played the sport at a competitive level. And the kid already feels pressure, right? Oh, like, my dad played Division One baseball. Like, I've got to live up to that, right? Mm-hmm. And I would say that just to, for the, those listening who might not care about sports, I would say I see that in doctors, mm. lawyers, chiropractors, yeah. therapists, right. or just this, oh, my dad, any successful thing that we idolize and raise up. Yeah. Yeah. There's automatic off the top pressure of, yeah. I got to be this. Absolutely. I mean, I'd agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, and, and I can, I'm speaking from experience with sports because that's, yeah, that's, that's where I came from. Right. So I, I had buddies, man, they're, they're, dads play college baseball and you know back in a different time than college baseball now today um was like earning a scholarship back then was a lot harder than it may be today right mm-hmm. and so they have a lot of pride in that uh, when college scholarships were like one two or three and now today we got 12 per um and then football you have like 80 or 90 or something like that so um not saying it's easy to earn a scholarship let me put that out there but but statistically it's more likely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then back in a time where hard work was all you knew. And so those dads would put the pressure on the son and the son may have not loved it like the dad did. And so, you know, that kid's like, Oh, I hate my dad. They have a terrible relationship. And then he's done playing baseball at age 16. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to, you know, this podcast is to prevent that for people, you know, if they're listening and they have their kids in sports, if they're a dad or a mom and, and they feel like it's tilting that way, yeah, you know, to find a tilt back. And I was, now that I have a son and uh, and my father-in-law, I love him to death. He's a huge supporter of, of Caitlin and I, and, and he was in my baseball career too. He's like, man, I can't wait till you coach Brooks. 
in baseball. I'm like, I don't think I'm going to. Like, <laughs> man, I just, I don't, I don't have the desire, first off. Like, if he wants to go play catch or, or go hit or go, you know, hit in the cages, I'll throw BP to him. Like, no, no problem. If he wants to play golf, I don't care if he even plays baseball, you know, like do what he wants to do. But I just saw a lot of the, the guys I played with that their dad was the coach. They didn't know when it was dad or coach. Yep. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, I do know that. Like outside of the field, it's always coach. It's like, hey, like if you had a personal problem or like a school issue, he's like, am I going to my coach or am I going to my dad? And I was very thankful that my dad never coached me. Maybe because he didn't, he didn't have the time, right? <laughs> um, but he was just always there to support. He was always dad. And if I had a bad game, he was there to listen. If I had a, a good game, he was there to praise me and be like, hey, you did great, man. Like, um, So, yeah, I had, I had two rock star parents, man. That's awesome. Really good. And then I have a, an amazing sister, and she's a huge supporter of mine. I mean, um, so, yeah, I had a really good family. That's good. Yeah. Okay, so then what happened? So we're getting the we're we're getting to the. I'm a talker, y'all. Yeah. If y'all can't understand, <laughs> no, it's great. This this is what the the long form of podcast is. I mean, I think, again, like I told you before, like this this part of having a conversation, man. People love it. Yeah, um, for sure. And you know, nobody hears this stuff. People think they do. Yeah. And then they, you know, going through, you know, listen to our other episodes. I know you listen, yeah. so it's like, oh man, I never knew that about firemen, or I never knew that about t- chiropractors. Yeah. Like people actually care about how this turns out and i think it's part of our society's problem is we have all these assumptions about baseball and sports and these things about oh it's just a dream right you go through baseball you just play in high school and then it just happens and then everything's great yeah it's just not the reality so it's not man because i think what our society is so good at is making everything look perfect Mm -hmm. right the social media lifestyle especially now yeah especially now um but it's not so yeah so um senior high school it came and went. Um, school ball was okay. Um, so if I don't tell this part of the story, you're going to miss the whole the whole thing. So uh, my senior year of high school, we were playing my rival high school that had all of my best buddies growing up on, right? So it was high stakes, high pressure. Um, it, and it was like the fifth inning. In high school, we only play seven innings, right? So it was almost in the game. And one of my buddies hit a ball up the middle. So for those that don't know baseball, like shortstop is on the right side of second base if you're looking at home plate. So he hit a ball to my left. I'm running to my left, and I did like kind of like a a sliding pirouette, I guess you could say. And when I did that, I dislocated my shoulder. Mm. Dislocated my shoulder, um, and I had a partial tear in my labrum from five to six o'clock. And at that game, at that game, it was we had like two weeks left in the high school season, right? So that ends in May, and then the the draft happens in June. So, like, all the big scouts for professional teams are there. I think I had, like, 11 scouts there, dude. And there's 30 Major League Baseball teams. So, you're like, oh, 11 out of 30, that's not too good. It's that's actually, crazy. it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty crazy, man. <laughs> yeah. um, Just to see you. Yeah, and especially in Missouri. Like, if it's Texas or Florida or California, that that's, you know, pretty common nowadays because um, they have great talent. Um, but in Missouri, um, that's not really seen a whole lot. Um, and then there was another kid on, on the other team that he was a stud baseball player, a lot better than I was. So they were looking at him, me, and um, and so. But, dude, I can remember I, I did that and my shoulder popped. And I couldn't throw the ball because I, I couldn't bring my glove to my hand. You know, my glove had the ball in it and I couldn't bring it to my throwing hand. And when they, they saw the, the trainer run out there, when they saw her run out there, they left. Just left. Like, had no idea that I was I would have been okay. Like, they just had no idea. 
because I just kind of sat there and I was like, I was like feeling my shoulder. And, uh, so all the scouts just left, just left. Like literally pack. They always carry a duffel bag or a backpack or not a duffel bag, but like a shoulder bag or a backpack, put their stuff in there and took off. And, and because so, they knew you were hurt or because they yeah, because you missed they, the plate because I, they knew I was hurt. Yeah. And you know, and that's the other pressure that comes with the draft or recruiting at all is that if you have an injury, I mean, it's just like, so I'm talking one of my best, best friends, childhood best friend. He's a, uh, he's about to go through hell week at Bud's and he's what, what do it's they call Navy it? SEALs for people who don't know. Yeah. For Navy SEALs. Yeah. So, um, he got, gosh, what is the term where he got rolled back? Ah, okay. Yeah. He got rolled back cause he already got hurt. And so he's feeling that same pressure. Like, you know, if I get injured again, I'm, I'm gone. You know, it's the same thing with recruiting. Like, if, if you get injured in amateur sports, if you have Tommy John surgery, like where you get your UCL replaced or you have a shoulder surgery, knee surgery, whatever, you're kind of like, um, I mean, the, you're not the person they're looking for anymore. Right. You're the, you're the run. Yeah. So that's the added pressure, right? Yeah. I mean, I, and I see that, man, you know, we're, I mean, my kids are seven and four and the practices and the coaching and the pitching practices and the catching practices and stuff that people want you to do for baseball here now, again, I, I'm not a hundred percent against it, but I see so much injury in 12 year olds and 15 year olds who throw their shoulder out for the rest of their life Oh yeah, because they've over practiced and overperformed and their bodies aren't ready for it and they haven't developed. Oh yeah. Oh. I have a couple of people that I see and if they listen to this, they'll know who they mm-hmm. are, but they do a great job. And they have three boys and, you know, they do travel with all of them. And, yeah. But they're really mindful about not, you know, the it's the margin for error now is so small. Yeah. Because the culture doesn't care at all about your kid's body. Mm-hmm. They're trying to produce these, these mass groups of kids who are going to, you know, all their success is going to be in sports. They're going to make money. They're going to have a good career. And that'll have make them have a good life. Yep. And their parents will have a good life. And everybody will be happy because they're making millions of dollars. Oh, yeah. Or they're well-known or whatever the, the ladder is they're trying to climb up. And they're not mindful about how easy it can go this way or this way yep. and end a disaster. And, and which is highly more statistically likely than you ending up being a professional. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love the honesty of this conversation. It's, um, <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's, it's much needed because I can remember I was on a visit at um, TCU and Jim Schlossnagel was the coach there. And he was talking to, it was a group of us that were on a visit and he was talking to us and he's like, man, I love recruiting kids that play multiple sports. And we're all kind of like sitting there like, well, what about just the kids that play baseball? You know, we're dedicated to baseball. You're a baseball coach. Like, that's what we thought you would say. He's like, no, because of the overuse of baseball or, um, burning out, like getting burnt out of baseball is a legit thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, because it's like just in in the big leagues, they're having conversations right now about shortening the season. It's 162 games in like six months. Oh, it's insane. I can remember my first year of pro ball, we had three days off. We played 142 games. We had three days off. Yep. I uh I I use this example all the time, but I went to I can't remember the last. Oh yeah, dude. Let's see. Where we we were in Nevada. So what would that team? What team would that be? The Diamondbacks. Uh, Diamondbacks or Arizona. Uh, yeah, I think it was Arizona. Yeah. We went and watched the baseball game, and uh, I was there for a training for therapy, uh, addiction thing. 
And I remember sitting there and I was like, I couldn't enjoy the game because all I could think about was how many days these guys were missing their family and their kids. You know, I just had a little kid. Like, I think Grady was like one or two. And I was at this thing and I was gone for three days. And I was like, oh, I don't want to be away from my six month old for three days. Like, and I remember being miserable, like missing that time. And then it was the first time I ever connected how many days that is. Oh, it's a huge sacrifice. Yeah. And that's, I wouldn't say that was the number one reason I left, but Caitlin and I were engaged. We were about to get married at the end of my second season. And I was just like, dude. I'm going to be gone for seven months, seven months before we're supposed to get married. Like, how can we go through the premarital counseling, you know, and, and you and I, we love Lucius, right? Yeah. So Lucius and Lee McGee, shout out to them. Um, they were doing our premarital counseling and, uh, and man, I just, I was just very aware of that. I was like, dude, how am I supposed to get ready for the woman I'm supposed to marry? Go through all this together. When, I'm gone at the end of February. I don't get home until the beginning of October. Mm-hmm. Like, and for those who don't know, you don't like you have the All Star break. That's it, like, and that's a three day break. And that's what I'm saying. Like outside of the travel days that we had scheduled, we only had three days off. And unless you were in, if you got voted to be an All Star, then you had no days off. Right. So it's like, man, that's just because it's work. Oh, it's it's work. You go, you get to the field. Hold on, don't jump okay, yet. Right, yeah, we're yeah. gonna get there. I'm gonna take you back. So, so then what happened? So your senior year, you, you you're yeah, in this year. moment. You you tear your your shoulder. Yeah. Scouts leave. I played two days later. I had a torn labrum, dislocated <laughs> shoulder. I played two days later because yeah. I put that pressure on myself. I was I'm like, sure. man, I've got to play. I've got to play. Um, and so I missed one game. That was on a Tuesday. We Bob, were... you let this boy play with a torn shoulder. <laughs> no, this is my own stubbornness. No, I just messed this. This is my own. Um, but he was probably proud. He's like, tough it out, son. Right. You know? um, but yeah, so I played two days later. I I fully remember trying to jump up for a ball. Like a line drive hit over my head and tried to jump up and catch it. And my shoulder just sublexed out of place. Ugh. Oh, it was terrible. It was terrible. So I played... Um, did some physical therapy stuff, like some bands, um, popped plenty of ibuprofen, and uh, just toughed it out, man. I couldn't. It was hard to finish swings one-handed, and that was kind of like my my swing was going through the swing and falling through with one hand, like King Kirby Jr. Yeah, I was trying to look good, man. Right. <laughs> uh, so I uh, I could barely do that. I could I could bunt. Okay, so I literally would try to bunt for a hit every time because it hurt to swing. Luckily, the season was com- it was coming to an end, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not the brightest. Um, so no, but it does speak to idolizing things, yeah, to the point of your body, your emotional health, your mental health, your spiritual health. Oh, yeah. And, and again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't teach our kids to push through things. We certainly should, right? But there's a spectrum. There is. When I'm, you know, I can't sleep on my left side because I'm in so much pain, but I still want to go play. I'm still working out with a torn labrum, dislocated shoulder, like. At 18. Uh, yeah, 18 years old, man. Like, oh, dude. And, and my parents like, dude, just step back. You've still got summer ball. You've still got all of this. I was like, no, but the draft happens in June. Yeah. It's in June, right? And so we're already in May. I'm like, dude, I can't. So, yeah, man, uh, we had plenty of fights about that. <laughs> my parents did, but they were they loved me through it. And, uh, again, they're wonderful. But so yeah, the, the summer happens. I don't get drafted, obviously. One of my best buddies does, and I was both happy and just uh, truthfully, I was very happy for him. He deserved it. He was a stud. 
but I was also like, that could have been me, right? So there's number two where I, I'm just depressed, mm-hmm. like absolutely depressed. Um, and so if you remember back, I didn't sign to a college. I was like, hey, I'm going pro. I'm not signing to a college. So then all that pressure of me like, hey, oh, crap, I've got to find a college to go play at now because I went on these visits and I didn't commit to them. So surely those spots are already signed for and taken. And they were. Um, and so we were playing down at Dallas Baptist University over there um, in Louisiana Tech. They had a uh, – their shortstop had just gotten drafted in that draft that I did not get drafted. Um, and so they were looking for a shortstop. And their coach at the time, their um, recruiting coordinator at the time, was at the our showcase, our tournament, basically in Dallas. And we were playing Dallas Baptist, and I had a good game, and he came over to me, and he's like, hey, uh, would you want to come on a visit? And I told him no. I was like, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. And just, like, so arrogant, right? And uh, it's like, no, I'm good. And I went back and talked with uh, – and so, like, he parted ways. He, he went back to watching another game, and, and we left the field. I got an email from um, – so he was, like, assistant recruiting coordinator. I got an email from the head recruiting coordinator um, at Louisiana Tech, who I had never met, saying, like, hey, we really want you to rethink your, your, your no. Your you know? rude no. Yeah, you're very arrogant, cocky no. Um, so I was like, man. And so I showed my dad. He's like, man, just – they're paying for you to go there three days. Like, what is it going to kill you to go there for three days? I was like, oh, whatever. So, what was your ego about in that? They were a mid-major Division One uh, school, and like I told you, I was it was either you know Big D one school or draft. That was I was very prideful as a high schooler, man. Um, well, yeah, when you got eleven recruiters coming to see you at a game, I mean, right? That that falls into. There's no doubt that you were an amazing athlete and better than so many people, but that's also life. Yeah. Right. I mean, you can be all that around that behavior and around that skill and then you can tear your shoulder. Yeah. Or people can just miss you or look a different direction or have an agenda or not need a shortstop that season. Or I mean, there's a million things that can happen that have nothing to do with your worth and value. There's a a lot of factors outside of your control. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Like All, all of them, all of them. Seriously. Seriously, so like, but it's good to remember for people listening because I think parents and kids and, and young adults who are listening, they forget that and they invest all this energy and interest into these things that aren't like you. They don't matter really at the end. Yeah. Like when you hear people's stories at the end, it's never any of the things that everybody puts all the energy into yeah. that made the thing happen. Dude, and that's it's so funny you say that because I think back now and me today. Versus me back then, I'm two completely separate people, right? right? Thank the Lord. I'm yeah, you wouldn't be on here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I just, I think back to high school and all the kids I thought it was better than or rude to. And I'm like, dude, I so wish I could connect with them and just be like, hey, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like you, like, I'm just sorry. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I mean, that's a lot, right? I mean. That's the non-jocks or the band people or the, yeah. you know, whatever position it is that you think you're awesome. Or even if you're the best drummer and you're in the band, like you can still get in that arrogant, prideful yeah, space man. of I'm better than everybody else. And it was, and I think back and like, I'm just like, they were the sweetest person. Or that was the nicest guy in the world. Mm-hmm. And I was just mean to him. And high school was probably already hell for him. 
you know, and I was just mean to him. Yeah. I wasn't like, I wasn't a bully. By like, right. let's, let's clear that up. I was not a bully, but I could have been a friend to that person, and I wasn't mm-hmm. because I thought I was better than him. Like, right, hey, which like, again, I'm, like I'm here on this level, and you're down here on this level. You know what I mean? Oh, definitely. And not to beat the dead horse, but again, I think that's part of the discipleship that me and you have talked about, mm-hmm. you know, in other times of. What's, what what are you doing relationally as a teenager? What yeah. how are you treating other people? How are you loving on people? Like these this sports crap doesn't matter. Yeah. It's how how do you learn to deal with difficulty and deal with systems and deal with, you know, conflict and and we just don't teach that. Yeah. You know, we've we we've Americanized church and everything so much that we can take baseball or we can take football or we can take sports and we're like, Oh yeah, we're Christians and we do this and it's yeah. like Well, but are you? Like, are you following Christ and doing that? Yeah. Or are you just saying that you're doing that and then everything else looks totally different from that? And dude, I would, I would call myself that person that I would say I was a Christian. Um, even before I actually knew Christ, um, I would say I was a Christian and I, I always had a cross necklace, always had a cross necklace. And that was something I asked for my mom from for since I was in uh, high school. Um, and I'd wear it when I would play because I felt like that was, you know, that would get make me better, right? I was using Christianity for my genie. own benefit. Yeah, man, it was literally like, please give me three hits today, you know, like rubbing the cross <laughs> necklace. Like, please give what's, me three hits. What's the little character from uh, Major League? What is it? Uh, is it Jabu? 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 Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's literally kind that's of it. how people do it, right? I mean, we laugh, but that's it. You know, God and Jesus are these things that. You know, I mean, porn stars wear cross necklaces. Like yeah. people, you know, I see this on on hip hop videos where somebody's yeah. rapping about shooting and killing somebody, and they have a huge cross necklace on. Like, yeah. it's just the it's no different than a baseball player wearing a cross necklace and saying Absolutely. they're a Christian, and then treating everybody around you less less than you and devaluing yeah. them. And and you know what's funny is is when I actually became a Christian and I uh, I was still playing, and I saw the the guys on my team that would. You know, they were maybe going out and partying or doing non-Christian things, but they would say a prayer before the game, you know. And I think back now, I'm like, dude, I was still that person. Mm-hmm. I'm literally pointing the finger right at myself in the mirror. Absolutely. And, um, no, me too, man. I mean, I had, I remember being in the Army and, you know, people, one of the reasons I became a counselor was because people would come to me for advice. I mean, I was 20 in Afghanistan, and these grown men are coming to me because they're wife cheated on them at home or spent mm-hmm. their money or they're they're you know they got caught in an affair or whatever but i was a christian right quote unquote um and i'd go to church on sunday and i'd not do all of the things they would do but i mean i was still super arrogant super prideful i mean right. i was real fit you know real tough wanted mm-hmm. to be strong you know all these kind of things and man just the duplicity of my life looking yeah. back on that um and again there's some of that now i'm a hypocrite in some ways but i hope that fewer and farther between. But the reality is, is like, man, I look back and I go, holy crap. Like I had a cross tattoo and you know, I was the only one, but it was like, yeah, it was the same thing. It was kind of, it was kind of Jobu is like, I'm doing these things to look good morally. So I'll have some clout and credibility. So I I feel good. Yeah. You know, so I don't feel bad about when I do all these other things that I shouldn't be doing. Yeah. And just, man, that, that's a good conversation because that's part of like what so many people do in so many areas. Yeah. I mean, and, and so I was like, I remember I would get so mad, not, not mad, but like frustrated. Like, dude, like I know what you did last night and you're over there praying. Like, I just think back today. I'm like, I was doing the same thing, just in different instances. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I mean? But you didn't drink or smoke or cuss. You know, like yeah. that's kind of the thing. It's like you pick these particular exactly. behaviors and go, oh, well, I didn't do all that. Yeah. But you were prideful and arrogant and selfish 100%. and narcissistic. And we, oh, yeah. and we were like, these things are fine. Yeah. And I mean, we do that in church now. <laughs> you know, I was meeting with somebody this morning, a teenager, and yeah. uh, we're talking about baseball and some other stuff. And, and hopefully they'll listen to this. But we're talking about cursing and not cursing on the field. And, yeah. and I was saying, I told him, I said, look, it's not, it's not necessarily about the words you're using it's about your intention with it you want to look different to these other baseball players so yeah if you're going to do the prayer before the game for the team and then the next word out of your mouth's mf or gd or whatever like that that's not consistent if you drop a ball and you curse that's not the end of the world but it's it's being bigger you know being uh more consistent in your in your heart than it is necessarily your behavior. It's like what's the intention of your heart? Exactly what you're doing that for. You know, like if you stump your toe and say shoot or yeah. the other word, yeah. right? It's like God isn't mad at you because yeah. you said one or the other. It, it's it's your heart posture in that situation. Yeah. So anyway, but yeah, I, I think that's part of what we're not teaching kids in sports yeah. is how to be a Christian, a, a Christ follower, yeah, not in name only. And it's, I think it's really hard unless you have awesome parents Yeah, and to I mean, do that on your own. And, you know, I admire, um, like, like I keep thinking back to, I've done a lot of self-reflection the, this past year after having Brooks. Like, I don't know what it is, <laughs> but kids do just do it for you, man. <laughs> um, so shout out to my son, Brooks. But, um, yeah, I just, I've done a lot of self-reflection. And because I want him to be better than I was as a kid, you know, or as a teenager, right? And I think back to one of my teammates, uh, Ryan Rippey's his name. He's a he's a basketball coach in um, Bentonville, Arkansas now. High school basketball coach in Bentonville, Arkansas. He was the best example of a Christ follower. And you know, not only he said our prayer before our game or whatever, but literally outside the the fences in on the field, like in the classroom when we were all hanging out together on Friday night, like literally he never, you knew he was a Christian because of his actions. Not, he didn't say anything. He didn't wear anything. He didn't have a cross necklace. I don't think so. I don't think, I didn't, I didn't really look around his neck, but I don't think so. Um, no, he's just, uh, he was an all around, like that was my first, I guess, example of a genuine faith, mm-hmm. like, like a Christ-like faith. And so then I got into college, and I had a few college teammates that. Uh, so you ended up saying yes to tech. Yeah. So let me. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, go back. I'm no, sorry. You're good. So. Uh, so yeah, my dad was like, you know, what's it gonna hurt you? Just it's three days. Just go visit. It's like all right. He's like, do you want me or your mom to go with you? I was like, mom. I want mom to go with me because, you know, dad. Dad wants what's, what's on our hearts. My sister and I's hearts. Like if we want it, he fully supports it. Right, he'll weigh the options with us, right? Um, but my mom is, um, and so she's she's a, a woman in business. Okay, so like you can take that for whatever, but she has climbed the ladder without having a college degree, so she's worked her butt off, and she's a high-ranking member of a banking corporation now, and so she's a little more stern, right? So she's the one that's going to be like, no or yes, like it's a very stern no or a very stern yes, right? <laughs> so it's like mom, just send mom with me. And so uh, my mom and I flew down into Monroe, Louisiana, and the coach picked us up. And we drove to, to Ruston. And I'm not joking you, dude. For any of you that have been to Ruston, Ruston has a different, just captivating feel, right? For first-time 
people that you know yeah, have lived there forever. Louisiana, yeah. yeah, have lived there forever. It's um, a very small, homey, homey, loving community. Mm-hmm. It's um, the people that are wonderful. It's it's just a place that I don't I don't know if it, this was for you, but I felt God's presence there. Mm-hmm. Like literally, I just I felt it there. I was like, from day one, I was like, all right, this is where I'm going. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't promise me the world. They were 100 percent honest. They gave me a wonderful offer, a wonderful scholarship that allowed me to come down there, um, to come down to tech and play. And and so on day two, I told them, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll sign with you. I'll commit and I'll sign. And uh, I think the other part of that was the coaches didn't give me a bill of goods, right? They were honest. They're like, hey, here's how it is. We've got a guy here that we think is going to play shortstop this year, but, you know, come give it your best shot we still got second base open like there's plenty of opportunities to play right away and that's what i wanted i didn't want to come sit on the bench or get redshirted if i was going to play in a mid-major i wanted to play right away mm-hmm. so well that speaks to you know from a trauma perspective right the the feeling of authenticity is more yeah. important than anything yeah right and so even if the authenticity is hey look come do your best and you might get on mm-hmm. but we're not going to promise you the world yeah when everybody else has been blowing smoke yeah, and I bet that made, you know that it meant the world to made me. a difference. Absolutely, um, because you know I'm a big person on like, like I told you, integrity. Yeah, just just be a man of your word. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's all I ask you to be, and I hope that I'm that to you, right? I know I'll fall short at some point in time, but that's what they were. They're like, hey, we have somebody that's going to be our shortstop. That's going to backfill the guy that just got drafted. But come in and give it your best shot. Like we believe that you can, you know, take the spot if you want, right? Or if you're good enough to. And so that's all I believed in myself was, hey, I, I think I'm better than the next person that I'm playing against or competing against. So just give me the opportunity. Just give me the shot. That's what they did. So I signed. Um, I signed July 10th. Um, and school started September 5th. So nice. I had to uh, I had to do a little bit of, uh, I guess, life adjusting, knowing that I you know, finally signed with somebody. I was moving two states away. So it really didn't hit me because... I was still playing, you know, travel ball during the summer. And uh, we had a bunch of big national tournaments coming up that I needed to focus on. Um, and so, yeah, man, continue to play baseball. My, my academy actually won the national championship my wow. senior year. So that was awesome. You know, it was like, man, if I would have gotten drafted and I would have had to go, I would have missed this. Mm-hmm. And these are my boys. Like, these are the guys I've grown up playing with. Um, these are my best friends. So we all won a national championship together before we all went to college. Like, it was the coolest thing in the That's world. That's awesome, man. man. Um, some crazy memories oh dude absolutely nuts and I'm still close with I'd, like 30% of them that's awesome you know? I mean 30% out of, that's super rare it is man yeah. out of high school like, oh yeah I mean I tell I tell high schoolers every day when I see them like you, you realize like 1% of the people you care yeah. about right now are going to be anybody you know in 10 years 100% man. Yeah. and that's um, but yeah sports does do that right it, it is a on the healthy side there is this community this bond yeah. this connection if done right, that, yeah. that can last a lifetime. And it, it, you know, sports can teach you the genuine relationships that you always need, right? Mm-hmm. Especially on a team when, like, you know, it's not an individual success necessarily. It, it, it is, right? Because you're trying to get drafted or you're trying to get recruited. But, like, there's wins and losses at the end of it. Absolutely. And the best teams, I mean, the best athletes that come out come out of good teams. Absolutely. You know I mean, they have people, it, yes, it can be individualized, but the teams that play together and don't play as a bunch of individuals are the ones that have the most success. Absolutely, man. And so we did, we won the national championship. It was 
amazing. It was the best way to end my high school career. Um, so I'm thankful for that, right? I, I hated it that I didn't get drafted or, or whatever, but I'm thankful that I was there for that because that meant that would have meant more to me than long term, long term, right? Um, and good. so I had like a month and a half. And so here's the other thing: I've never, never had a vacation during the summer my whole childhood. <laughs> when everybody is taking vacations, I'm playing baseball. That's it. Like, and we would travel to cool places, man, like Florida, you know. California, Arizona, Texas, whatever. Um, but you mean just like go to the beach, go to Disney World, go to Astro World, whatever for a just week. decompress, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Like I just almost failed my high school final. Like just give me a week to decompress, right? Yeah. I never had that. Um, so we got to go to Aruba, and that was amazing. I got to go with my whole family, a few of my buddies, because um, it was like a select group that you got, you know, chosen to go. Um, that was amazing, dude. Just the Caribbean has a special place in my heart. Like my wife and you know Ben, our buddy Ben, um, and his wife Megan. We're all going to the Bahamas next year. Oh, like nice. we're going right. Um, so the Caribbean's a cool place for me. I just love being on an island with nothing else around. You know. Um, so I got to go to Aruba with my family. Played baseball down there. I got to talk to the the community down there with the with the through the sport of baseball. Um, but I will never go deep sea fishing again, <laughs> ever. Did you get sick? So outside of baseball, this is my dad and I's biggest bonding moment ever. We are, we chartered a boat to go deep sea fishing with me, my dad, and then, um, two of my buddies and their dads. And little did I know that when you go deep sea fishing on these boats, it's, it's a single nose boat. Like it's not a catamaran that I'm used to that it's even when you're going through this rough water. Right. And we decided, we're like, Hey, let's grab some breakfast before we go. Well, what's the only place open next to the boat dock? Cinnabon. Mm -hmm. Dude. I, I used to be a sweets person. So I crushed like three Cinnabon (laughs) cinnamon rolls. And so did my dad. Um, and we're going out, into the waters in Aruba and we're like hey how far out are we going and the guy's like oh we're going a few miles like we're gonna get out there I'm like okay cool oh dude we were cutting through some waves I don't know how big they were and maybe I'm exaggerating in my mind but dude <laughs> I, I just think these are the biggest things I've ever seen in my life and this boat is just you know you know getting thrown by these waves and I'm like dad I'm like, Dad, I'm sick, man. He's like, I am too. And so I say this is the biggest bonding moment my dad and I have ever had. We were sharing a trash can puking, and I would hold it back until he was done with the trash can, and then he'd get done and he'd hand it off to me. So, yeah, Dad and I will never go deep sea fishing again. Um, one of my buddies, he was out there catching all the fish because all of us were just sick, oh, man. Oh, dude. It was, uh, and I missed the meal. I missed the last baseball game. But dude, I was just so oh, sick. I felt terrible. Oh, it's the worst. Yeah, my motion da- sickness is awful. It is, and when we do, when, when I do drills right now, and we do the rolls, yes. it's like as I get older, they're harder to do because oh, I like yeah. two roll, two front rolls or back rolls in. I'm like, I'm done. The back rolls, I'm, I'm yeah. so dizzy. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we we've had, had that same experience. And my dad, we went and saw the Blue Angels, 
and we uh, we went out, and it was just super choppy in, in Florida to go out to the water to uh-huh. see them, but you could get really good views. And I missed the whole thing because I was just hurling from just being in the water in my uncle's little boat. And it's uh, like, what do you take? To- and we had to sleep the rest of the day. Like it was like a day and a half. That's what, of like, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, you just we missed so, dinner, breakfast, yeah, everything. So <laughs> nauseous and miserable. I'll never forget my dad because my dad's a big burly guy, and I remember him just being super miserable in the yes. bed. Like I got a little over it quicker, and now I understand at 40 how much longer it takes me to recover from yes. everything at the time. I was like, come on dad, you're fine. You yeah. know, and he was like miserable yes, in the bed for a day and a half. And what's, you know, hilarious. Like you said, your dad's a big brother guy. My dad's like six, three at the time. He's like 240 pounds. Like he's a big guy. And dude, I have never, it was like a whale puking in that trash can. <laughs> man. He was making some noises. Oh man. Oh, uh, so yeah, it was, uh, it was quite the experience. And what's funny is, the uh, the coach of that team saw me on the plane two days later. I think it's like, hey, how'd you recover? Yeah. Like, hey, thanks for caring about me, man. Yeah. It's hilarious because <laughs> he probably remembers what it's like. All right, so um, you get you get it at Tech. Kind of catch us catch us up on what happens at Tech and then how that lead you to the Phillies. Yeah, so um, freshman year I came in. I played a little bit, not a whole lot. Um, and then we had a coaching change. So my sophomore year we had a new coach. When did you meet Lucius? Oh, goodness gracious. Freshman year? Okay. Yeah. So, same. when did you meet your wife? Freshman year. Okay. Yeah. So, so freshman year, you start at Tech. How did spirituality, like, yeah. how did that kind of kick in? Because I know from there till now, there's been a huge growth in maturity and closeness yeah. to Christ and all these things. So this, give me- this is why you're the host of the podcast, because I'd be rambling on for forever and skip over all this stuff. Yeah, you're fine. Um, so... I met my wife. Okay. Shout out to Caitlin. Um, she is the best person in the world, right? I'm not just saying that cause I'm on a podcast. She's going to listen to it. Like she's literally the best person in the world, most genuine Christ-like woman I've ever met. So the first time I saw her, I was like, I was like, dang, she's hot. Like she's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I told my roommate, I was like, Hey, I don't know who that is. And she would do like if you're on Tech's campus, she was over by uh, Tolliver, the hall, the mm-hmm. eating hall over there, and I was over by like Woodard, the yeah, kinesiology yeah. building, you know. So I saw her, and she was riding her boy, her, her bike with her boyfriend at the time. And uh, yeah, don't forget that part of the story. <laughs> yeah, um, I was like, dude, I don't know who she is. And I looked at my room and I said, I'm gonna marry her. And he's like, dude, whatever, because we had literally just gotten off of like a partying bender, you know. It was <laughs> terrible. It was terrible. So, um, so we went eight. And my buddy, my roommate that I told that to, he saw her on campus on Monday. He was like, like, dang, like, I think you're the girl that Chandler was talking to. And, you know, he like said, hey, or whatever. And that Friday night, he walks into our apartment and Caitlin and I are sitting on the couch together. He's like, wait a second. He's like, you actually met her? I was like, yeah, yeah, I met her. Um, so then we, we started talking and hanging out and whatnot. And, um, but she saw who I was. She saw... I was, how lost I was, right? And I was trying to be, I was trying to make everybody think I was perfect, right? And going out doing stuff, I, I shouldn't have been doing partying, you know, on Monday nights, karaoke bar at the Rev. That was not a great decision. <laughs> um, and uh, and she saw that it was it was fake. It, she's like, hey, I know there's more to you than like what you're doing right now. And she's like, I'm not in, interested in that person. Mm. She's like, and then second off, you and I are never going to get together unless you know who Christ is. <laughs> Mic drop. I was like, like, dang, 
girl has never talked to me like this before. I was like, she's different. I was like, she is different. And so I was very intrigued. I was like, okay, so I was like, she's pretty. I like her. All right, I'll get to know Jesus. I'll get to know Jesus. <laughs> I was like really weighing my options there. Um, and so one of my teammates, Braden Bristow, um, he's playing in the Yankees organization still right now. Um, Braden was going to Lucius's group. And he's like, hey, dude, just come over. So backstory for people who are listening. So yeah. Lucius McGee, he's a friend of ours. He lives in, in Ruston. He works for Argent, right? Yep. And uh, <clears throat> so when I was in college, me, Lucius, and our friend Stephen McMullen, we were going to uh, Christ Community at the time. It's uh, the bridge now. Um, but we all met. Lucius was mentoring me and Stephen. And so he asked us to come and help lead a ninth grade Bible study for boys. Yep. And so it was me, Lucius, and Stephen. They called us the tribunal. Yep. And at the time, I was kind of where you were. I was this yoked up army mm-hmm. guy who just graduated, who was doing all these deployments. And, uh, and Stephen was this, uh, he was in, in his doctorate going to get his doc. He was going to be a physician and, and Lucius, this older, you know, sweetheart of a guy, the Hunter, best. you know, the best. And so we all led these guys, uh, freshman, sophomore, I think junior year. Um, <clears throat> but during that season, I mean, I was kind of like you, I'd known Jesus, but I'd just gotten back from Afghanistan and then hurricane Katrina happened. And it was in that moment of of leadership with, with Lucius that I was like, I've got to step my game up mm-hmm. and kind of the same thing. I met my wife and I was like, I don't want to hook up with her. I don't want to do the thing that I've done with all these girls. I want this to be different. Yeah. Um, and that didn't go perfectly, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, God worked it out. But Lucius, um, was such a, a invaluable person in my life. And yeah. we went, I'll never forget going to this, uh, kids retreat, uh, youth retreat. And like me and Steven both are at the end, we're supposed to be leading it. And at the end, we're just like weeping and all three of us are hugging and crying and kind of renewing our, our walk with Christ. And, yeah. and so, uh, I have this piece of art, I'll show it to you, but it, the kids drew it. Um, yeah. and some of those guys have been gone on to play for, for King and country and, you know, to That's do right. these huge things. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so when me and you were talking at jujitsu and there was just that connection piece, yeah. it was huge. Yeah. Um, because not only, like you said, Lucius is one of the sweetest people in the world. His nickname is Sweet Lou, for all mm-hmm. those that don't know. Um, he is somebody that holds you to a standard. If you say oh, you're yeah. a Christian, he's going to hold you to a standard, call you out when, just like the Bible tells us, to hold our brothers accountable. He's such a dynamic person. Oh, yeah. And a huge influence. Like, he married Caitlin and I. I mean, he's just a huge influence in our lives. So, Braden invites me to his group, right? And, man, so the only person I knew that had the name Lucius was Lucius Fox off of Batman. <laughs> so Morgan Freeman plays Lucius Fox. Yeah. So I was like, this dude's about to be super wise. Like, yeah. you know, and Lucius is wise. But he was not the person I had made in my brain. Like, he's going to be this tall, built, you know. Mm. Lucius, that's a strong name, man. I saw Lucius. I was like, nope. This is a Lucius, you know, because he's got his bifocals. He's, you know, balling on top. Lou, I love you. I'm not hating on you. That's right. <laughs> you know, um, but he's just, like I say, he's a dynamic personality. So the first night at his group, I was like, oh, man, like just spoke straight to my heart, mm-hmm. you know. Well, and I think it's a great contrast for everything else we've been talking about is that um, for guys who are jocks or guys who, who have this perception of what a strong person is or what a healthy person is or baseball player, athlete, you know, coming in, you're like, you're expecting this 
this Christ figure to be, you know, masculine, masculine in a way that's toxic, you know, and Lucius is an amazing masculine person, but I think does a really good job of, of the strength is in Christ. And and I think you would say the same thing. Like he doesn't put off. I'm perfect. He does any, he's vulnerable. He's open. He's honest. He's transparent, but that's what strength is. Yeah. I thought he'd be this, you know, six, five, 250 pound, just yoked man, you know, and Lou, he's not, but, He's the strongest person I've ever met in my life, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so the first night at his group, they, somebody was doing a life map. I think Lou was doing his life map. And Lou has a crazy life map. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like, man, we, him and I haven't struggled with the same things, but we kind of have. You know, just in not in the same, I guess, way, way circumstances, whatever. But, you know, at, at the end of it, yeah. Like, we're still struggling with some anxiety, some depression outside of there. And... And a lot of self-inflicted uh, doubt, I guess you could say. Yeah. And well, so, I think that's a key point for people is, aren't we all? Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, we can, you know, this podcast is about baseball and your career, but ultimately that's the beauty of like all these podcast episodes is that we're way more alike than we are different. Yeah. And whether it's baseball or being a doctor or being a stay-at-home mom or, you know, being a therapist or whatever it is that you're doing and struggling with, that's all content. Mm-hmm. to the actual issues. Yep. There's only a few, three or four issues that are really going on for all of us that plays out into all the content. Yeah. And America does a really good job of, of pushing the content and the focus of being on beha- behavior modification and fixing and treating symptoms instead of getting to the root cause. And I think yep. for both of us, which is crazy as we're talking about now, that's where Lucius and that relationship, you know, met was like men in our lives who got to the root yep. instead of like Staying with this content crap. And, and it's weird, man, because, like, you know, you should feel, I guess, or I felt like I should be able to go to my dad with that, but I wasn't comfortable doing that, mm-hmm. you know, because my dad's my strong figure in my life, right? But Lucius, he he comes from such a humble approach. And it's like, I, f- I could tell this dude anything. Mm-hmm. And I still do tell him everything, right. right? You know, he's not replacing my father figure in my life at all. It's just like, you know, he's there to listen. He's there to hear you. He he has the, the spirit of Jesus in his heart. So, you know, like when you're talking to, to Lucius, Jesus is there with you. Yeah. You know? Well, it's such an important focus too, is that that that's such an American view of you have this father figure and he's everything and he should no Number one, that's a lot of pressure on the dad. Yeah. And number two, <laughs> like what happened to having four or five men in our kids' lives that mm-hmm. can speak into it? Like one of the things we're planning on doing when my son turns into a teenager is having four or five or six men have a ceremony and sit down and talk to him and yeah. speak into his life. And we've, we've just lost that, that thing. Cause we don't have enough men that are our friends to do it. Yeah. Like our dads didn't have enough men in their lives. Yeah. They were surviving. They were making do, they were coming up from nothing yeah. and they didn't have enough close people and community in their life to then sit our sons down and go, Hey, it's not, it's not about this stuff. It's about this stuff. And this Absolutely. is who Christ calls you to be. And so, Absolutely. yeah. And, and it's funny now cause, um, a lot of those men are the men that spoke to me and they'll probably still be the same men that speak to Brooks. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I think it's going to come full circle. Um, so, you know, freshman year I kept meeting with Lucius's group and, um, and so I finally sophomore year is right before the camp Bethany, the FCA camp. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, man, I'm just, I feel this tug on my heart. You know, my, my buddy Braden, who brought me to Lucius's community group the first time. This is the Yankee? 
Yeah, this is the Yankee. This is the Yankee. He's a, he's an awesome fellow. He um, he kept telling me, he's like, man, what you're doing, like you can't continue to do that and follow Christ. Like, there's, that's just not how it's supposed to be. You know, he he did it in a more you know elaborate way because he's a lot smarter than I am. But, um, he's like, man, you've got to give your life. To, you've got to fully submit to Christ. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, and so we were going to the FCA camp, and. Uh, and it's just a bunch of athletes from, you know, Southern, LSU, UL. Uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Yeah, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Louisiana Tech, Monroe. It's just a bunch of schools in Louisiana. And then we all go to Camp Bethany right, right outside of Shreveport. They have a band. They have, you know, breakout groups, food, worship sessions. I mean, it's just awesome. And then they have a day where they – well, every night at, at worship, they have a time where you can, you know, give your life to Christ if you feel like Christ is calling you. Um and so I did. Me and um, it was me and one other guy. Oh, it was it was a buddy that played football. Um, and we were like, dude, we just felt it, felt the pull. So him and I just walked back to the room. We said that you know our prayer to bring Christ into our lives, and and man, it, it was just amazing. And so like they were doing baptisms that that day as well or the the following day out in the lake out there or the pond or whatever it is so I mean I just I don't because Caitlin wasn't there my mom wasn't there my dad wasn't there it's like I just don't feel like this is the right place to be baptized so I talked to Lucius about it and he's like man yeah you want your family there like this is a big moment you know and so um it was January 25th or 26th of Camp Bethany and I didn't get baptized until September 6th of that same year, but, you know, after the baseball season and all that. What um, year was this? Oh, goodness gracious. 15? 15, I think. Um, and so, American brain comes on and says, dude, I just got baptized. Junior year of college. It's going to be perfect. going to get drafted. going to play professional surprise. <laughs> Man, it was that... After I got baptized... Between then, um, because in the fall in college baseball, you have a full fall, right? You, you play scrimmages, you practice, you know, you do your pro showcase like that prepares the scouts to um, come and watch you in the spring, right? They're like, hey, he's on our radar. Let's see how he does in an actual baseball game. So one thing I didn't mention in high school is, um, you know, when you're interviewing for a job, you have to go through the human resources department mm-hmm. of the, the corporation or whatever company you work for. There's a human resources corporation for Major League Baseball, but it's all done in psychological tests. Okay. So you have to do, dude, I, as an eight, uh, 17 year old at the time, I remember sitting down at my kitchen table with a stack of 50 papers asking me questions if. When I go to the park, do I slide down the slide or play on the monkey bars? Right. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's that kind of mm-hmm. psychological evaluation. So I'm like, dude, why am I going to a park? I'm 18 years old. You know what I mean? Like, that's my <laughs> first initial thought. And, um, and so I did those, right? Well, that puts you in the system, in the Major League Baseball um, system, and they see if you didn't get drafted or signed previously to the year that they, somebody re-enters you in the system. So I'm going through all these psychological evaluations again, doing them, filling them out. Um, this is in college. This is, in, this is my junior year of college. Um, this is after the fall of my junior year of college, getting ready for my junior spring. Okay. 
This is 20, 2015, fall, 2016, spring. And I'm doing all these psychological evals. And I'm, the same questions that I did four years ago, but I see it in a whole new like mm-hmm. frame of mind. You, you know what I mean? Um, because there's questions on there about your character, about everything else. And so I'm doing these evals, and I'm like, man, I'm thinking through the lens of Christ rather than the lens of my selfishness, right? Um, and so that was my first realization of like, hey, life is different with Christ. You know, like how you think, how you approach situations, how you do psychological evaluation tests. You yeah. know what I mean? And so um, the spring comes, and I, I I was playing very well. Not my first few games. I was like over ten or over eleven. Um, but after that, I started playing very well. I became I was the hitter of the week for the whole conference one week. Um, I was we. So full circle, I told you all my dream school is Arkansas. So um, one of my best friends played at Arkansas. So we went up March 2nd or 3rd or something like that, 2016, to play at Arkansas. Well, at the time, Arkansas was like number three in the country, okay, or number four in the country. And um, and we beat them at Arkansas. Like a team that just went 25 and 27 the year before, you know, we hit our hot streak and we beat Arkansas in the midweek. So we were starting to feel ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I remember that. Yeah, and I was I was feeling my oats again, and um, and so that was the same week I think I got like conference USA hitter of the week or player of the week or whatever it was, and so then I start to fall back into the trap of I'm doing this I'm doing this by myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't think like that, but it was like this is my own doing. Like that's how I thought of it, yeah. right? Um, and so you know so th- some things are um, the season progresses. And we're on a, a hot streak. Like this is the first year since like 1986 that Tech has had, you know, a winning baseball team, you know, leading the conference or like second or third in the conference, um, and ranking. And and so I was like, all right, it's happening. Like it's the year. I'm I'm having phone calls about the rounds of the draft, about money. You know, I'm meeting with scouts after practice, before practice. Like it's it's all happening again, right? Um. But through this time my faith was getting hammered like absolutely hammered i was uh again saying like hey i'm finally doing i'm finally doing i'm finally doing Mm -hmm. um and so after being baptized september 5th of that fall springtime comes around and it's like i'm the same person i was in high school and so that kind of sent me into like it how'd your girlfriend handle that she was always there to keep me in check yeah always there to keep me in check um, and she still is today. I mean, g- girlfriend at the time, wife now. Um, she's like, hey, you know, things are going really good for you. You know, she always speaks from both of us. You know, she thinks of us before individual. She's like, things are going really good for us. Like, the future's looking great. Um, like, don't get too big for your britches, you know. And yeah, baseball's going good. School's going good. Because... She was she was wanting to go the PA route, wanting to go the PA school and everything. She's highly highly intelligent. I always tell people she's the brains of the relationship. I'm the beauty. <laughs> so <laughs> when she's actually both of them, um, but and so you know school's going good for her. School's going good for you. And um, she's like, just don't get too big for your britches. Like, don't think you're lifting up the world right now. Mm-hmm. You know. 
So I was like, okay, you know, that's that's a good point. But then I just I went I fell back into the baseball, 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 baseball. So then I hit a a slump, as we call it in baseball, to where you you know you struggle hitting for a little bit. Um, and it's towards the end of the season, and all these scouts were there to watch you. And I had, I had I think I was down to like three or four teams that I had fully talked to, like, hey, you're on our radar for this round or mm-hmm. that round. And so, um, and they were there at every single game. They were there for me and um, I think three pitchers. I think there was another position player too. Anyways. Um, and so that pressure came back, that self-inflicted pressure of, hey, you have to be perfect. Well, then the day I tell myself I have to be perfect, I go over four with four strikeouts. Mm. You know, you just, you, you press so much that you're just like, hey, I've lost all my natural ability. Yep. Overthink I've it. lost, yeah, absolutely. So I hit the slump um, right before the conference tournament. And then um, I was just like, God, what are you doing to me? Like, why are you doing this? When it's all self-inflicted, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I just kind of like stepped back from my faith and I was like, I was better when it was just me, you know, or I, I had, I had you at an arm's length, you know? And so that was looking back on it. I'm very ashamed of that moment, you know, very ashamed of that moment. Um, and I'm not very good at opening up about my feelings. So look, look at the counselor and therapist over there, you know? Um, so yeah. And Caitlin was like, Hey, you know, always know that like God's there for you mm-hmm. like he could care less if you go three for four or one for four oh for four right or if you reject him yeah or if you reject him right and um and so yeah I, right before the conference tournament I was like man because a few weeks goes by between the end of the season and the conference tournament I think it's like maybe like a week and a half and right after the last week the last game on a Sunday I was like mm-mm I'm done. I'm giving up on my faith. Like this, this is too hard for me. Right. Then Caitlin and I sat down and talked and talked with Lucius and like, man, it, like, like we said, you go for four. God loves you just the same way as you, you know, before that game started or when you were going four for four. Um, and so I was like, all right. And so I just had a moment of humility. I was like, God, if this is for me, it's for me. You know, if it's in your will for my life, it, it, it's there. But I am, I am lost. I am out in the forest and I have no way out. I'm like, please just bring me back to you. And he did. You know, you, you have those overwhelming feelings. And you're like, you kind of get freaked out by it. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And so I felt it and I was like, okay. All right. It has nothing to do with baseball at all. Like, I'm going to stay in my lane. I'm going to stay humble. And I'm just going to do what he requires me to do or asks of me in my faith. And everything else is going to take care of itself. Mm. It's almost like there's a scripture there. Uh, that probably is, yeah. <laughs> Seek first the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. And his righteousness and all those things will be added to you. Yeah. So, and it's funny, man, because I said that same thing in 2016. And then I'm a big Cody Johnson fan when it comes to country music I love his music and he just did a uh, um, Amazon I guess documentary mm-hmm. of Deer Rodeo it's, it's one of his songs and he says the same exact thing I mean I was trying to do all of this all of this to make it on my own and it's like I finally realized that when I just give it up and say hey if this is for me it's for me and I'm going to stay out of your way completely 
And so, I wouldn't say I stay out of, out of his way completely. Yeah, we do the best we can. Yeah, right? we do the best we can. Um, well, that's the constant work is to get out of the way. Yeah. And, and you don't ever really get out of the way, but you have to keep humbling yourself. Absolutely. Humbly yourself. First Peter says to humble yourself before the Lord. You know, cast all your anxieties. And it's a, it's a process. It's not an event. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the scripture that brought me to Christ, and it's it's my wife, lovely wife, got it engraved on the inside of my wedding band. It's James 4, 7, and 8. You know, submit yourselves there, pour under God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. And um, and so that's uh, for the conference tournament, for the regional. You know, we were fortunate enough to make our first regional since like 1987 or 86. Um, so it was a big moment for Rustin, but it was also a big moment for me. You know, I was like, like, okay, I see it. I see what God's trying to do. And yeah, you know, these materialistic things, these successes in a sport is, that's not what he's trying to show me. He's trying to show me that outside of all this stuff that we put in our lives, like all he asks is humility. Like, hey, just, I've got you. Just understand that I'm there. I'm always going to be there. And I love you regardless. And so... You know, I had a great end of the season, junior year, okay, and uh, the draft comes. And again, people promised me the world, and I got nothing, man. I got told by one scout that I was going to be like the eighth-round pick for this team. And if, if anybody, if you don't know about baseball, all the money is in the first ten rounds, okay? When I say all the money, like all the six-figure signing bonuses, six-figure to seven-figure signing bonuses. And so eighth round at that time was like $300,000. I... Like, dude, I could buy a Ferrari. I could, you know, all the, you know, the worldly stuff comes back. And uh, I could buy Caitlin a massive engagement ring, right? And um, and so the first round and the supplemental round and the second round happen on the first day. And so the scouts told me, hey, you're not going to be on the first day. Like, don't even watch it. Or you can watch it if you got a buddy on there or whatever. Mm-hmm. Dude, I, had, I flew Caitlin up. Like, I had my grandma there, like, who she can't travel so we had to like go pick her up bring her back my mom made all this food for the second and third day and um i only got a call on the third day which is like rounds um 11 through 40 okay and it was it was it wasn't a hey we're taking you because that's the call you want to get like hey we're taking you right now go ahead watch tell your family it was a hey would you take it if we went this low like offered money. If, mm-hmm. Would you take it if we offered you this amount of money? Being prideful, I was like, no. Looking back on it, I'm probably, yeah, probably, you know, probably should have. Um, and so, draft comes and goes. So that night, I'm in the deepest depression I've ever been in in my life, because I had told everybody, like literally the new star of Shreveport. They came and interviewed me, and they're like, "Hey, we're hearing this, this, and this." You know, I mean, there's, there's literally documentation in a news article <laughs> of this interview happening, and, um, and I was like, "Yeah, man, I'm hearing, you know, rounds eight to ten or eleven to 20. Um And you know, I skip over the draft and whatnot for selfishly, but my buddy that brought me to Christ, Braden, he he had an up and down year. He's a great talent, a great pitcher, right-handed arm. But he he had an up-and-down year, and it was there were some things out of his control that, you know, I, I 
playing with him and being his friend, it was tough for him because there was some stuff stacked way against him from a external yeah. standpoint. Okay. Wait, he's a wonderful talent. Like literally, he's one of the most talented athletes I've ever seen in my life. Um, and all of the conversations with the pro scouts dropped off. But then he gets drafted. He gets drafted in like the 23rd round. So I was super happy for him, man, like super happy. Um, and he found out right after he proposed to his now wife. So it was like the best day of his life, you know what I mean? Um, Meanwhile, the worst week of yours. Yeah, the worst week of mine. So, um, so yeah, so the draft happens on a weekend. It's like Thursday through Sunday or Thursday through Saturday. So um, Sunday came around. I was like highly depressed, absolutely depressed. Um, I didn't eat all day. I've never been like that before. So then Monday happens, and I get a call from the Phillies. They're like, hey, we want to give you a uh, – we know you're a junior. We know juniors really don't sign for agent contracts. But we have a good deal of money because some of our draft picks didn't sign. And we heard that your college coach is leaving. I was like, oh, I haven't heard that. I'm like, oh, you may want to call him. We heard he just signed with Alabama. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Call him. I was like, hey, are you leaving or staying? He was like, hey, uh, yeah, don't tell anybody, but I'm leaving. I was like, hey, great, all I needed to know. And I hung up the phone. <laughs> and so I called the Phillies back. I was like, yep, I'm coming. Because that would have been the third college coach I would have played for in my four years. You know, now knowing that it's Coach Burroughs at Tech, I, w- I wish I would have stayed, right, because he's an amazing person. Um, but, yeah, so then I, I go and I sign with the Phillies. It allows me my last year of college still paid for uh, a great signing bonus to buy a wedding ring for my wife or an engagement ring for my wife now. So it was good. It was good. I was happy. Um, I finally feel like I made it. I fulfilled what I wanted to fulfill. Right. So first year pro ball comes around. Um, it was great. It was, I had everything stacked against me, but it was my personality. I pushed those walls over, broke those walls down and I, I, ex- I excelled. So I got called up three times, which, is hard to come by, I guess, in your first year of pro ball. And I finally came home, proposed to my wife. It was wonderful. And so then I go to spring training the following year. Okay. All through this time, my faith is stronger than it's ever been. Ever been. Um, I'm engaged. I'm ready to be married. Um, so I go to spring training my second year. And things are good. You know, I'm... I'm with the high A team and how spring training works is that, you know, where they project you going during that season is who you're going to be with the whole time. So I was with the high A team, bouncing back and forth between the low A and high A team. Um, but I just lost passion for for the sport and for baseball. I just lost it. And so they posted rosters. I was praying through this whole time. Spring training is 30 days. I was praying this whole time. I said, God, if this is what you have for me, this is what you want me to do, Please, and selfish, this is a selfish prayer, but there was a reason I was doing it. Please allow me to be on the high A team. If this is not what you have me doing, then have me make the extended spring training roster, which is basically you stay in spring training for another uh, another month or two until the draft happens and then your season starts, right? So you're literally doing spring training over and over. It's like, it's just monotonous, okay? So all the rosters come out. I've been with the high A team this whole time. I make the extended spring training roster it's like dude that never would have happened in everybody else's sense of normalcy right mm-hmm. i was like okay so i walked into the director of player development's office and said hey i'm gonna step away from the game of baseball it's like you sure you sure you don't just want to go home for a few days and then come back and dude tears were just streaming down my face this is all i've ever done right 
It's like, no, sir, just, I, I'm done. And it was the hardest decision I've ever made in my life, man. I called, and the hardest part about it was me calling my dad and telling him I was done. Mm. And he was, buddy, if this is sure that you want, this is what you want, I fully support you, like he had always done. But I was like, what are him and I going to connect on anymore? You know, what, like, what are we going to do? You know? So that day I left, um, and I came home and I, uh, and then the next day I came down to Caitlin. I was like, that's, that's the only person I want to see. It's the only person I want to be with. And that sounds terrible for, <laughs> for my parents, but hey, she you, was my sense of comfort. Leave, man. She was my sense of comfort, yeah, man. She was my rock, yeah. right? And so, man, now for, I know I'm kind of jumping, but now for what I do now, what I have now, I'm so thankful I left baseball. So thankful I left baseball. Um, because I've learned a lot about myself that I didn't know when I was wrapped up in baseball. And I have a wonderful wife. We've got a beautiful little boy and a little girl on the way. Like, we're doing things at 27 years old that not a lot of 27 year olds get to do. Um, and it's only because of of God and our faith in, in Christ. You know, we're not perfect by any means. Lord, we're not perfect, man. Um, but like the only strength that we have and, and for people that don't believe or, or don't understand it, it's like, Oh, that's so cliche. Right. But it's literally, that's it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I can't explain it to you. A, because I'm really not that intelligent <laughs> to dive deep into it and explain it to you. And B, it's just, it's, it's supernatural. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and so, yeah, man, uh, there's been some struggles transitioning from baseball to a job. But I'm not the type of person, I'm very prideful in doing hard work and uh, and maybe not doing things the easiest route, you know, taking a little lap or two around. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, now, now for what I do, like I'm in medical device sales, it's a hard industry to break into. It's a hard industry to work in. From, it's, it's very challenging, right? And understanding how hospitals work and how, you know, surgeons practice and all that. But I love it. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. And it gives me that competitive edge that I had in baseball. But outside of that, jiu-jitsu does the same thing. And I think you and I have bonded on that. Like, man, it's, it's so humbling. It disciplines you. But it allows you to connect with yourself on a deeper level than I think anything else could. Yep. You know what I mean? I do. So, so I, I, I try to I try to limit my jujitsu talk on the podcast because yeah. I, I laugh at myself because I'm like I always plug it somehow in yeah. any <laughs> yeah. conversation. I love all the memes about your jujitsu friends versus your yes. It's like the salad one where he's pouring like the huge gallon jug on the salad. It's like you know, this is me and my jujitsu friends. Yes. Um, no, I could talk about that a whole nother hour. Um, so what to wrap up. First, I appreciate you sharing all that with Absolutely, me. Absolutely. It's yeah. awesome stuff to hear. Um, I love the beauty of seeing God weave through it um, all the way to the end, and you got a lot more to go. Yeah, uh, a I, lot know, more. I can tell you now, seven years from now, when you, your oldest is you know eight, nine, yeah. the lessons you're going to learn, and hopefully I'll be right here to support Absolutely. you as a friend and brother. But um, yeah, man, I'm proud of you. I'm proud to see what God has done in your life and how. Um, uh, what he's done in your family and how he's, you know, despite our failures and our screw ups and our histories that he continues to redeem and restore and 
so that we can not make the same mistakes that maybe Mm -hmm. our parents unknowingly did so that we can shape our kids earlier to understand that the world is their mission field, that they are the light on the, you know, light in the darkness, that they're the city on the hill, that there's these things. And that doesn't have to start when they're 25 or 30, you know, that, that they can do that along the way and, and reach more people and be healthier. Um, so I think it's, I think it's an awesome story and awesome testimony for people to hear because it, it, it is the point. Yeah. Right. And the baseball is the, is the structure in which we used to tell the beauty of God and what he does. And, and that's for everybody, whether they're like we've said before already, no matter what you're doing, if you're listening to this still, um, you haven't turned us off, whatever you're doing, right. Whatever structure it is that, that you call your identity and your world and your job and your, your thing, even if it's jujitsu, yep. right. Mike talks about it all the time that if we're not just helping people and being good, good human beings in Christ, if we're not looking at it to build community, to build connection, to serve other people, then it's not going to matter. Yeah. That's, that's like I was saying, I've done a lot of self-reflection since Brooks has been born the last 18 months. And it's like, man, I feel like now my focus is on helping others and serving others, serving my family. Right. But, and outside of work, that's when I serve people as well, but serving others and how God would have me serve them. You know? So like, I think I know you and I have talked about uh, veterans. Veterans play a big part in my life. I don't, may have one veteran in my family, mm-hmm. but I'm a big military advocate. And so I know that mental health is a big struggle for a lot of people in the world, but you know, you see it a lot in veterans. And so that's kind of my way I want to serve. And yeah, I know I still need to connect you with Trey. Yeah, we do keep our word on that. Yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> any uh, closing thoughts, comments, man, I would just, if there's any, um, amateur athletes listening or parents of amateur athletes, I would just, I just maybe sit down and talk about the expectations for what you have for the sport or like where you actually see yourself going. Every kid believes that they can play in the major leagues. But when you get to that point to where, Hey, you know, kind of like I did, I was like, man, maybe this isn't for me. You know, I, I was, I was praying those 30 days in spring training consistently and constantly, but so maybe this isn't what God has for me and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, like, it's okay not to be LeBron James or Mike Trout or Derek Jeter, right? It's okay to be Clint Davis and Chandler Hall that, you know, have a job that we're not professional athletes making millions of dollars, but we have beautiful families and great friendships and mm-hmm. uh, faith in Christ that supersedes uh, all that. To, yeah, absolutely, and that continues to burn strongly. So, I just, just understand that there's a lot of pressure on kids already, and uh, I think that's what I harp mostly on um, with my friends or people that I know that have kids going into high school. It's like, Hey, listen, there's already all these pressures from his friends, his teachers, this, that, and the other, his or her friends, teachers, um, just be there to love them. Yeah. And let me speak that whether it's the Holy spirit or not right now, but talking to me, I think it is, but let me speak that over your life. Just you have, you know, I feel God saying, you know, you have this ability to, in your life, to speak into to people's lives about sports yeah. from a discipleship perspective, right? That other people don't have. Yeah, I don't have. I can say it from a knowledge base, like from conversations and what I see clinically. But as we're doing sports, you know, I don't really know how to talk about the language because I haven't been there and seen it. So right. I just say that to you, like it's probably common to you to talk about it or think about it, but most people didn't play D one, didn't play professional, didn't give that up. And so yep. you have such a beautiful ability to 
as you're growing, as your kids are growing, like you're going to be in sports with them most likely, or you're some kind of activity right. in which you can keep them safe, but you can also keep that community safe. And that is discipleship Yeah. because the alternative is extremely toxic and damaging. And so I just want to remind you that and encourage you that, well, that I appreciate that. That's a beautiful thing that God is, is redeemed and rescued in you that you're going to be able to give in ways that you can't even imagine yet when your kids are seven and eight and nine and 10 and 15. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. That's a really good point. That's um, because I've been looking for, you know, purpose. Yeah. Purpose. Honestly. So maybe that's what God has for me. God's like, let's say it. Say it. That's right. (laughs) He does that, man. All right. We got to wrap up. Thank you all for listening. Chandler, thanks for coming on. Um, Yeah, absolutely. You guys check this episode out, subscribe, like, do what you do. Um, God bless you and have a good week.